Well, welcome along to uh, another uh, Forever Blue, one of celebratory mood this week because City scored eight. Yes, eight. It's one of those where you spell the word out. E-I-G-H-T. I had to think then, didn't I? That's how you spell the word out. Eight nil. And then before that, 3-0 at Shakhtar Donetsk. That was T-H-R-E-E, right? Just in case you didn't know. So welcome along to uh, to Forever Blue. I'm Ian Cheeseman. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors. And they're the sponsors of the podcast for this season. And I thank them very, very much. Uh, and it's well worth contacting them if you're considering selling a house or buying a house or want some mortgage advice because they do a whole range of things. So have a look at the website, charleslouis.co.uk. And obviously when you, you ring them and you speak to them, tell them that you've heard about us or heard about them on Forever Blue. And uh, I'm, I think Dave, who who is uh, sort of the man in charge there, will, will think, ah, right, yeah, a fellow blue. And I'm sure he'll look after you even more than if you're not a blue and you didn't mention Forever Blue. But anyway, thanks very much to them. Now, we've got two games to look back on. Uh, we've got the Preston North End Carabao Cup game to look forward to. And today uh, we have two Pauls for the price of one. We've got, uh, we've got the Paul that has been a regular that you've heard many, many times before. We've got another Paul who's been on once before. But is it massively regular? Hi, Ian. Good to be back. And uh, thank you for coming again. And we've also got uh, a debutant on the podcast today, um, Nathan, who I met on the plane, or one of the planes, going out to Ukraine this week. Uh, and we'll talk all about that adventure later on, won't we, Nathan? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. I'm a little nervous, but I'm sure I'll be fine. Nothing to be nervous about. Right, so... Let's start with the the eight one eight one eight nil game against Watford because it doesn't happen all the time. I'm pretty sure I read a statistic this week uh, that City have won one nil, two nil, three nil, four nil, five nil, six nil, seven nil, eight nil now, and nine nil all in this calendar year, which is just flabbergasting and amazing. I mean, you Nathan, as a new newbie, because you're only a kid. Could you? It may, I suppose you could imagine it more than us oldies, really. That this you could have a season like this, couldn't you? Well, the the first season I had a season ticket, we had uh, Chet Evans up front, so uh, I don't think uh, I don't think I could have imagined it back then. But uh, the the firepower we've got now, you know, anything's possible. Should have been twelve yesterday. I was going to say it. It could have been Paul, couldn't it? Um, I was a bit disappointed. It wasn't, to be honest. Um, I was I was I was absolutely mesmerised by the football that we played. It was unbelievable yesterday. I, I looked across at my pal John, who, who who got the matches with, and we just we had, we welled up a little bit at one point because it was just we couldn't believe it. The the, the Watford fans. You, you welled up. Yeah, well, a bit of dirt in my eye or something like that. <laughs> was it really that emotional for you? To be honest, it was because it was just unbelievable. The, the stick that the, the city players have had, you know, like. Um, oh, we've got no defence, we've got this, we haven't got that. And then to go out and basically play with... A, well, we played with them um, for, you know, the f- first 18 minutes, five goals. It was... We weren't. We didn't know whether to cheer or laugh. It was a, it was a strange experience and it was, it was emotional because it's like, this is amazing what we're watching. We're never going to see this. I mean, I, mean, I took my part in your daughter. He's really only really known the success and I had to point out to her that it's not like this or it hasn't been like this all the time that our local derby used to be Stockport County 
And she turned to me at, at the 5 0, 40 minutes in, and just looked at me and said, This is unbelievable. Mm. And she was right, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And talk about putting a statement down. You have a bad day at the office a week before, you know, you're a bit unlucky in some ways, and then you go out and you batter a not bad Watford team. These guys are not mugs, they're professional footballers playing at the highest level. And we made them at times look like a. A Sunday league team on Moss Fields having a, having a knockabout. You know they'd all been out on the lash the night before, and that's what it looked like at times. It was like men against boys, and there was just moments of unbelievable bliss. That that cross that De Bruyne put in, you know, every player in the country is looking at and thinking, "I wish I could get on the end of that," because it was just unbelievable. And then when you whack that goal in at the end. I mean, we, you know, that, that ball's still bouncing down Alan Tudor's <laughs> way. You know, the keeper got nowhere near it. And I have to say, poor old Ben Foster, he, you know, there wasn't one of those goals you thought, they, you know, he was rubbish. They just tore him to pieces. And the guys in front of him, I mean, we, I said to my daughter that there was three guys warming up on the touchline and I said, those three guys don't want to get on this pitch. They're thinking, norm, normally I'm, I'm desperate to get on. They're thinking, whoa, this is a car crash. I want to stay here and keep my tracksuit on. It was unbelievable. And as you say, Paul, there was moments when you, your bottom lip was going a bit mm. because I think for fans in the ground that remember trekking out to Macclesfield, that remember Ched Evans and Antoine Sibieski leading the line and Robbie Farlow on one leg. And, you know, so the guy next to me said, it's 8-0 today. When Stuart Pearce was manager, I think we scored 11 goals <laughs> at home all season. So when you put it in that context, you think Christmas has come Every day, every week, we've got nothing to mourn about and you're watching some of the best players in the world turning it on week in, week out. You mentioned De Bruyne there and that ball, which which was something else because when you look at the way he played that ball in uh, and the obstacle, there were two defenders en route to the ball reaching David Silva. Now, the, the pass was immaculate. I mean, I can't think actually of a better cross-stroke pass I've possibly ever seen. I don't want to over-egg it, but that's how good it was. But you still had to time the run perfectly from David Silva. And I can't deny that when you talk about bottom lips going and being a bit emotional, there are moments where I've looked at things that the close control, for example, that Bernardo Silva does, the lightning fast breaks that Leroy Sane, when he's fit, you know, was doing, some of the trickery that Raheem Sterling has done for us, some of the goals that Aguero scored. And, and, I, and I suppose it all does come back down to the fact that we've been watching for many, many years and, and never had the joy of watching some of this. But, but now, it, 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 does, it does really get to me. So I'm glad you've said that, and I don't. I'm not the only one because I sound a bit of a softy if I said that, oh, don't I? Oh, there was there was there was proper proper grown men looking at each other, just thinking. They didn't even speak. We didn't even speak. We just looked at each other because we knew what we were all thinking. It was just we 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 looked across, nodded, and you just thought, "Wow, if if I die tomorrow, I'm not bothered. I've just witnessed that." So now, now that those old men have, have made our comments, Nathan, what, what bring us back down to earth as a as a nineteen year old? Was your bottom lip going at some stage? Uh, well, after the first five minutes or so, you know, you, you're one nil up and you're thinking, right, they're still just going to park the bus. But then, when you see De Bruyne's you know, them fast cutting passes down the channels, just rip, rips the other team apart, and they're looking 
the, the Watford players, you can see in their eyes and in their expressions that they, they know they're out there to get beaten today. You know, we, we lost our last game in the league and we go out there and we're going to make a statement. And honestly, I, you know, you, take, look back, you can look back at this in a few weeks, but I think we'll go on and win the next you know, five or six now because it's, it's just a pattern. You know, we, had the, we had the slip up with Newcastle last season. You know, the, you know, the players can see that it wasn't good enough and they go out there and they just, just keep pushing on. The fact that we we didn't stop at three, we didn't stop at four, we didn't stop at five, we just kept going. And it's there to make a point to the rest of the league that, you know, City are back, you know, we are the best. Like. But, but did you have any emotions? Not really. No, <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. We're just old men who were soft then. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's our hormones. There, there was, there was a, the, the thing that was really interesting in the game, I thought, was, I mean, just going back to David Silva, how many times he gorsed off? A defender and scored those sort of goals. The defender's just lost him, you know. He's just gone behind him or gone in front of him, and he's gone. And Bernardo Silva does that, I think, brilliantly. But there was a, there was a moment that really struck me. We were eight, eight nil up, and Kevin. Hang did, on, just say that sentence again, that because it sounded really good. Eight nil up. Right, thank you. And <laughs> still five minutes to go, so people are getting greedy now, thinking, "Can we go nine? Can we go ten? And I watched Kevin De Bruyne and Aguero chasing balls down, still. The desire of those <clears throat> players, not just to prove a point about last week, but what they do week in, week out. Having had a bollocking, bollocking from a, the boss 20 minutes in, he's there gesticulating them, telling them to you know, pull yourself together, get this sorted out. And we'll follow up at this point. This is what we're dealing with. It's a, an attention to detail, a professionalism, and a commitment to the cause that we've never seen at City, probably since, uh, in fairness to the Bell, Summerby years, the, you know, the glory years that we've had in the past. That team, I think, had those qualities. And other teams from other clubs have had those qualities, but we've never had those qualities until now. And now we've got guys that actually give a damn about the shirt. Did you look at the team sheet, as I did, uh, when it was... And, and there's been loads of times fairly recently when I've looked at a team sheet and thought, I don't quite understand this. And I've just corrected myself in my brain and thought, it doesn't matter why I think Pep gets it right, Pep knows what he's doing, Pep, you know, there's, there's no issue. And I've, that's how I've reconciled it in my own mind. I looked at the team sheet yesterday and without hesitation I thought, right, both Silvers are playing, Sergio Aguero's playing, Kevin De Bruyne is playing, and then for me, City's key, key player... Fernandinho was playing and I thought with all those five playing no problem today yeah. I didn't think eight but I thought absolutely not there's not going to be a slip up there's not going to be any doubt because those are the players I want to see I mean obviously there are other great players that weren't playing like Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sane and, you know and obviously John Stones and no Vincent Company from last year but those five gave me so much confidence but particularly, because I do want to talk about him a bit, because I love him anyway, Fernandinho, I just thought, made a, a big difference. We were again watching the game yesterday. There's not a better reader of the game in the in the Football League at the moment. Not a better reader of the game. He makes it look easy because he, he knows exactly where to be at any given moment. And here's another newsflash for other clubs. Rodri is exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both of them make it look easy. They're almost walking it because they're, they're almost know exactly where that ball's going to be, where the players are going to be. I think Fernandinho at centre-half, he didn't have, he didn't have to be physical and muscular. He just tracks the ball down. And he's got Rodri in front of him going, well, go on, pass it to me. I'll keep knocking it around. I mean, how many how many completed passes did Rodri do yesterday? Probably over 100. 
and it was simple stuff that Fernandinho <coughs> does week, week in, week out. Fernandinho, walking to the all-time greatest city side for me. All those players you mentioned, with all due respect to the greatest of the past, would walk into an all-time 11. You know, and I think by the time we finish, Pep's 11 may well be our greatest 11 of all time. And that, that might even mean that someone like Colin Bell, for instance, doesn't quite make it. And that, that's the quality that we're dealing with. I mean, I think Bell probably would make it because he was, you know, playing on a, on a basically a ploughed field at Main Road and made it look beautiful and easy. But I think when we look at those players now, they're the greats. And we, we will be, look back and be privileged to have seen that in their pomp. And that's why I think people are getting... All the fans like us start filling up. I, I look back, um, I think I said on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I was, I was concerned about the defence and the, uh, the players had injuries. <clears throat> I didn't quite realise how good Fernandinho a drop-in. I knew you didn't have to be, you know... Um, 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 a, a massive central defender like of years gone by, you know, your yap stams, that kind of, you know, you, we all had him, we had the ball, boot it out, oof it, as we used to call it. Richard Dunn. Exactly, yeah, but he was good at scoring, yeah. scoring at the other end as well, <laughs> wasn't he? Um, but we, we, we don't need that in that pep team we've got. We don't need a player like that. The players we've got in there now, they can play football and everything, even the goalkeeper has to be able to play football now. Some, I, I heard someone talking, I think it was about, um, I hate to use his name, but Wayne Rooney. And he was saying that players like him, it's like the Matrix. Everything around him slows up as he's, he sees it. And that, to me, is what Fernandinho does. He sees everything's going at 10 to a dozen in front of him, but he sees things and just thinks, this is where he's going to go, that's where the ball's going to go. Uh, it's like, it reminds me of a player that's been, you know, really quick but then lost his pace as he's got older but because he knows where the ball's going to end up he can still play at a high level because he's anticipating where it's going to be and to me Fernandinho one of the one of our all-time greats and if not really underrated if not at just at City but in the Premier League in all the Premier League greats he is he is a, the kingpin to our team at the moment I would say mm. I think with Fernandino, because he is so good, he makes the players around him, you know, more comfortable. Mendy, he came in after the first time, after however many months, and then played the first half, that having to worry about always having to get back, especially with his fitness, because he knows that Fernandino is so capable that he'll read the game and cover for him. And I think the glory of having a, a squad like we've got now is that everybody offers something. We haven't got any players that make up the numbers anymore. You bring a player in and you know they're going to do a job for us, and it's just a great position to be in, really. Right, we've talked at length, as you'd imagine, about this 8-0 victory. Let, let's talk about it now in the bigger perspective. City lost at Norwich the week before, play Everton uh, the next league game, and then, of course, Wolves before the, the next international break. As we're recording this on Sunday evening, Liverpool have won at Chelsea, and we might talk a little bit about VAR, dare I mention, um, again in just a second. But before we come on to that, Liverpool have won again, keep on winning, still have a five-point advantage at the top. So, is there a, is, I don't want to sound as if I'm glass half empty or being negative, but it's just, 
just trying to explore where we all are in our minds. The fact that City won 8-0, you still only get three points. I know there's potentially a, an advantage to goal difference at the end of the season. So that's, you know, you could argue City got an extra point yesterday. But that doesn't help them claw back. We all walk away with this sense of euphoria, thinking, wow, this is brilliant, wobbly lip and all the rest of it. But the fact is, it still only is three points. Do you believe now that City, and it sounds as if you do from what you've been saying, that City now will go on a long win-win-win-win run because Liverpool show no signs at the moment of their running ending. They only lost one game in the league last year, though. So we just have to keep going. We don't have to worry about them. It's theirs to lose. They're the ones with the pressure. You know, We've won the league the last few years and it's their, it's their, their gripe to win. They want it more than anybody. Um, so we've just got to keep going. It will always be there as long as we do our job. It's up for them to do theirs. Uh, I don't. I don't believe in you know like having to always worry about Liverpool because if we do our job, then we'll we'll still be at the top no matter what. I think you know we'll win every game. Oh, I hope we do, and then just have to hope that they they drop points. And I I think they will on the way. They still need to out. They if they have an injury, then we'll have to see how they deal with that. We've. We've had one to start with, and we've we've played a good card in Fernandinho, and it's worked out well. And so we'll see how it goes in the next few weeks. I think if if you got extra points for 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 playing beautiful football, we'd have won the league already. Liverpool are reminding me the the the, the old teams of United, where under Ferguson they'd you know they they turn up and they'd scrape a one nil win. They're not playing particularly brilliant football, I don't think. I don't. I, I think. They're flattered to deceive sometimes, Liverpool, and I don't think they're anywhere man for man. There's no one of their players apart from potentially, possibly Virgil Van Dijk, who again I still think he's overrated. I don't, I don't rate him as highly as all these, you know, highly paid pundits do. But Phil Thompson said that he, he won't give uh, De Bruyne. It's, it's, it's bonkers the amount of money we paid for him. So what do they know? So I think there's only him that are getting our side. We're playing by far the best football I have ever seen any team in the Premier League play. And if we if we play like we're playing, we will win the league again because Liverpool, when they play us, will will we'll beat them. We'll beat them home and away. I mean, Nerf makes, makes a really good point. It, one of their front three gets injured. I, I have to work with a, a red at work. And I he, am sorry. And he, yes, it's 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 not easy. Um, there but, is there is counselling available. Yeah. You do know that. I have to say, in fairness <laughs> to me, he's relatively sane because um, he doesn't go every week. Um, and he's worried about one of their front three getting injured because he says, "Well, I don't know who the alternatives are, uh, and our system will have to be completely changed." It's also worth remembering they've got an utterly mediocre midfield. Not not one of their midfield will get on our bench, let alone in the team. I mean, Milner came on today. I mean, Milner wouldn't get an EDS now no. and he's coming on as one of their guys I think the reality is like all teams they'll they'll slip up at some point and in fairness last season we were in a worse position coming out of the Christmas break we were further behind then than we are now and they bottled it yeah. and we went on that, that run I think we'll go on a similar run um, they are a good side uh, and we it is a two horse race now um, but I think we've got enough to catch them and win the title um, and I think for for me, and, I, and and it's a controversial position, I always want to win the Premiership. Champions League is a nice bonus, but for me, the mark of a great team is to win that title. We've won it four times 
in the in that, and they've won it zero in the last 30 years. And I think when it comes down to it, when the shackles come on, if Van Dyke gets injured or one of their front three gets injured, I think they're in uh, they're in a bit of bother because we've got replacements all over the field. I'm not sure they are. Their bench their bench is better than it was, but it's still pretty mediocre. In this podcast, I'm going to talk to Nathan about his trip to Shakhtar last week. Um, so we will come on to that. But as a 19-year-old, I keep saying this. 20. 20, right, so I'm doing you a disservice, right? Oh, it's you quite old, really, aren't you? But as a 20-year-old, and you just listened to what Paul said there, and I'm sure that the other Paul probably thinks pretty similar, and it is a, a sentiment that's held by a lot of City fans. Do you think that? Do you, do you think it's all about the Premier League? Um, growing up, it was always the best players playing in the Champions League. I grew up watching, you know, Jogba for Chelsea, uh, Crespo and the Milans, and I used to. It, it used to be the highlight of my week watching the Champions League midweek, and I used to sit there. I, m- I remember one game vividly that it was, um, it was, it was uh, Arsenal playing to AC Milan. And I just dreamed of City just playing in the San Siro, you know, not even the Champions League, just playing a, a, a team like that. And so I'd love to win the Champions League. The the league, you're in it every year, you know, we've won it the last couple of years. If we don't win it one year, you know, so, so what, I think, personally. I know people think it's the first thing you should go for, but I think there's a bigger picture that winning the Champions League sends a message to world football, not just England. Everyone in England knows how good we are. If If we go out there and win the Champions League... You know, it's Man City are the, are the best. Can like, I can I just I, I completely agree with you, and, and I and I'm the same. When I was growing up, you know, the Champions League anthem and all the rest of it, I, I just dreamt of being part of it. I think when we can I just say, by the way, that Paul wasn't growing up when the Champions <laughs> League anthem started. That that is a complete fabrication. It was the European Cup when you were growing up. So come on, get real. Yeah. No, we'll fake news on this podcast. <laughs> and they were travelling by horse and car. Yeah, as you've well. ruined it for me now. I've <laughs> convinced I was twenty again then but the, the the thing was with the, the European Cup was that it was the champions it was the champions of their specific leagues you look at the two finalists of the Champions League this uh, last year and it was Tottenham and it was Liverpool and Liverpool didn't win the league and Tottenham finished Whoa. fourth was it Whoa, fourth yeah. so potentially that makes a mockery of you you know you, when you're and I agree with you I agree with Nathan what he said that you want to see the best players playing in these things. Well, that's not particularly the case because there's a lot of play teams getting into that Champions League that they don't really deserve to be there. And when you've got you know Tottenham turning up like they did, and they were they didn't even well they didn't even turn up. That's it right. Tottenham didn't turn up to the final. Liverpool walked it. Um, they shouldn't have been there because they're not the champions of 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 anything. They've done. They won nothing. I mean, for me, I mean, whilst I I would prefer to win the Premiership, I I would hate to see this squad and some of the players in this squad walk away without a Champions League winners medal. They, did, you know, because they they're playing at that level. And when you look at some of the Liverpool squad that have got that medal and will have it in their trophy cabinet at home, uh, Milner being a good example, a journeyman footballer at best that Kevin De Bruyne might not have that medal, I think would be a travesty. And Nathan's right about it. It does put down a, a marker and a message in terms of European and world football. And it's worth remembering that we did get to the semi-final of the Champions League with a far inferior squad than we've got now. So I think we've got a really good chance of getting there. And frankly, if we got to that, if we got 
you know, all things being you know equal and reinventing history, if we got to that final, we'd have beat either of those teams comfortably because neither of them turned up. Um, so I'd like us to win it, but let's focus on the Premiership, get that done. And you're absolutely right, Paul. I, I'm I'm similar vintage to you. When Liverpool won that Champions League, they played they played top quality teams who were champions of their own league and good sides, not people that came third and fourth or third, second in the Estonian League, or second in the Ukrainian League. You know, it, it, to me, it devalues it. I'd rather go back to the old model of uh, European Cup, UEFA Cup, and Cup Winners' Cup. I'm a bit old school about that, but, you know, things move on. Well, we all know why it changed anyway. It's because United weren't good enough to get through. So they wanted, uh, <laughs> just wanted United to get further, have more games on TV. So they, they changed to the group stage so they could guarantee them some games. What is certain as well is that uh, individually, if you want to be recognised, and I know we all recognise how good Aguero and Silva and De Bruyne are, of course we do. Um, but what Paul is hinting at, I suppose, I think I read him right, is Virgil van Dijk gets the... You know the, the 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 player of the year, the UEFA Player of the Year award, and I look. I was look, watching a little bit of the game today, uh, Chelsea against Liverpool, and thinking, what is he doing in this game? And then he makes the mistake, which leads to Chelsea getting back into it. And uh, there was a pass that he did just went miles away from his man. And I'm thinking, this is supposed to be the best player, the best player, not just defender. In the world. Come on, do me a favour. But the reason he's got that award is because Liverpool won the Champions League. So if City win the Champions League, then suddenly David Silva, Sergio Aguero, Fernandinho, whoever you want to pick out, are being considered for these individual awards and everybody around the world is saying, aren't they great players? So that's another reason why I'd really like to see City win the Champions League so that there can be the proper recognition of these players. Not by us, or by everybody else. Do you think? Do you think the players care about being considered for them though? Because I I believe that they all appreciate each other as professionals. Like I I know oh, I I don't know properly, but I'd imagine that Messi and Ronaldo look at David Silva and go, he's one of the world's greatest. You know, he doesn't need a plaque or a, or a trophy for any for anybody to know that. That's a very valid point, and 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 um, and I think one of the secrets of Pep Guardiola's team is actually the lack of ego. You know that that they are a proper team that care about each other. So I think that's a very valid point. All I'm saying is, as a City fan, and so this is me being selfish on City's behalf, I'd love to see one of our players who we have a trembly bottom lip about now and again actually getting one of those big awards. For our club, for our for our fans, as much as for that individual player. I, I, I wish I, I agree, Ian. But when you think, you know, for years Aguero didn't make the PFA Player Team of the Year. I mean, I'm sure there's other professionals scratching their head and going, "How on earth is that guy that's giving me the runaround for 90 minutes twice in the season, not in the Team of the Year?" And and it, you know, it's, for, it's that <coughs> sort of bizarre thing, those anomalies. So I think. We, if we did win the Champions League, then clearly some of our great players, probably De Bruyne, it's the flair players. It wouldn't be Fernandinho, who's probably been, been the guy that's probably won us it, or Rodri, who's put maybe run us it, because they're just ticking the game over and doing their job properly. It's the flair players. But, you know, at the end of the day, those players in our squad, they look around that dressing room and they know they can rely on each and every one of them. No one's hiding. There's no ego, and you saw it in the in the in the, the brilliant film that was made last year. 
they are a unit. I mean, I was listening to the commentary of the Liverpool Chelsea game this, this afternoon, and they were talking about Salah and his inability to pass to his teammates as an issue. Now, that, if he did that at, at our place, he'd either be told yeah. pass or on your way. And you look at Aguero since Pep's <clears> come in. How many times did he now pick out another player? He did it yesterday, not to ball across. And, it's, uh, and I think it was um, the general got on the end of it. Now, he couldn't, in the past, he'd have probably took a shot, but he knocked it across the box because he looked up, saw Otamendi coming in, hit a great pass, and he's done that to Jesus on a number of occasions. That's the difference between a squad that's united and a squad that's, frankly, a bunch of mercenaries. Well, a, a squad that's City, let's yeah. just correct that. Yeah. Yeah. City United. Yeah. I mean, I mean as, as, have I got this right? As, as Virgil van Dijk won the Ballon d'Or... Uh, there's different there's different things, but when they did the draw for the Champions League, you know the old European Cup poll, yeah, remember you know, that? No, uh, when they did the draw, they, they came out with the defender, the midfielder, the striker in between each each group pot. You know it was so complicated, and then an overall winner. So that was UEFA's award. There's the Ballon d'Or as well, and there's probably other World Players of the Years that other people sponsor or whatever. So it was that one that Virgil van Dijk won, but it doesn't matter. The point is. It'll never be a City player till City win the Champions League. But do you, do you think do you think that is because Liverpool are at the top table, like Juventus's and stuff like? That, do you think that they? I always see Man City, and I've said this before. We're like you've got your top table, posh dinner, silver service, tuxedos on. They're all sat there. Your Man United, your Liverpool's, your Juventus's, all those Barcelona's. Then all of a sudden, we rock up in a shell suit. We've 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 turned up at the top table and it's like oh who are these oily oiks that have turned up oh we can't be having these winning things and you've got Sergio Aguero and players like that who are playing for us and it seems to me that it doesn't even matter I think if we won the Champions League I still don't think them players will get the respect from UEFA and from all the, the governing bodies that they deserve because it's Man City who have allegedly in 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 their eyes bought the way to these trophies. Mm. I, I still don't think I still don't think they get recognised. I, I think that that was that's been true in the past when we had the likes of Peter Swales in charge. He took he took and then when the, the, we had brother sponsoring us, we had turned up with a sewing machine to put on the top <laughs> table. Uh, but now now Or oh, Saab car. No oh, offence to Saab well, no, cars. Exactly. I mean well, it's and, and, of, and of course our, our former tie owner as well who you know he was, was on the run at one point so couldn't even go to the dinner. Um but what we've what we've got now is this is is uh like leadership is really tied into European football. You know, they come from Barcelona. They're really tied into that world, and our owners turn up in Armani suits because they've been trained in the business schools in America and the best business schools in the world. So when they turn up, they turn up as professionals, and I think that's changed the the, the nature of it. I think what is different is that we don't quite have the history of United and Liverpool in terms of the Champions League, in terms of winning those trophies. Once we start to win it, then things change. But in terms of the respect that our club has at the top tables, I think we do. But it does raise the question, if Virgil van Dijk this year was the best defender in the world, and maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, who knows, in what year wasn't Vincent Kompany in his pomp the best defender in the world? Yeah. Absolutely, can't you disagree know, with that. You know, and there was two or three seasons where he was without doubt the best defender in Europe by a mile, probably in the world, because I think European football is really strong. Not a sniff. Not a sniff. And that's because 
you know, we we were then the the sort of outsiders. Now I don't think we are. I think we're in in the club, but we do need as Nathan's there just to take that last step, win that big bit of silverware, and. Frankly, Paul, if they do, my bottom lip will be going. Oh, you know, and, and it'll be wobbling. It'll be, it'll be, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll be sobbing for days. You know, so and and you know, that's that for me is it. Although I want them to win the Premiership, I do want them, I want that those players to walk away with that medal because they deserve it because they've changed British football. The way that we play the game now in our country, and the way that Wenger did when he arrived, he revolutionised football. The way we play football, we forced Liverpool to play the style of football they play, which is, a, you know, in fairness to them, not a bad style of football in, in, when, when, they, when they decide to play like that. We force other clubs down that road. And if you don't compete, with, you know, come down that road with us, you will get battered 8-0 or 6-0 or 5-0. Well, we'll come back to Europe in a second because I definitely want to talk to Nathan about his, his trip and indeed my trip to Shakhtar last week. Uh, but just before I do that, briefly, uh, and the reason I'm introducing this subject here uh, is because it's not City-specific and actually until the Liverpool-Chelsea game, um, I'm obviously circling round a bit here, I'm talking about VAR, right? Um, it didn't actually benefit City, in fact... Well, it did benefit City, but it wasn't directly in, in a City game. Talking about the Tottenham game against Leicester, um, where Tottenham had a goal disallowed because somebody's armpit hair was offside, like it was in the, in the City <laughs> game. And, uh, and as I watched that, um, yes, there was a bit of me, and I saw Paul tweeting about this on Twitter, saying, yes, karma. And I knew there would be a lot of City fans who would be thinking that. But I made the point of... This is a good one to sort of make the point that this is ridiculous because this was a goal, Tottenham's goal should have stood. They were leading 1-0, they ended up losing 2-1 and we're talking about a margin of one or two millimetres, a delay of two or three minutes while that decision was made and if you picked up the programme yesterday, City's programme was, I thought, uh, a lot better than, than sometimes it is. There's a lot of history in it yesterday because the 125th birthday, I really enjoyed reading that. Um, but there was a bit, there was a page in there that explained VAR and one of the things it said was, uh, it's used when a clear and obvious mistake is made. And these aren't clear and obvious mistakes. And I said, you know, yes, it's karma. Yes, Tottenham had a goal ruled out after what happened in the two City Tottenham games. But this still cannot be right, surely. And then today we see the potential goal for Chelsea that would have been an equaliser going back something like six passes from the moment it hit the back of the net because a player might have been two inches offside uh, surely nobody can think in their right mind that this is what VAR should be used for well I think I might make myself quite unpopular now but I'm actually a referee myself I have a level five Boom. and so I've done <laughs> I've done semi-professional football and I've done the Premier League Academy so I think I have a, a good say on this um as a referee myself, I absolutely despise VAR. It takes away everything that a referee's job is. You might, you might as well not have them there. You might as well just play, play on and then just go and refer every time as a goal. But the, as when you say clear and obvious, it's like an offside. You're either offside or, you, or you're not. That's what it's there, that's what it's there for. It's, it's the law that, that you've got a problem with if, it, if you start 
looking at the offsides. Like. So, so hang on a minute, just let, let's explore this a little bit further because obviously, in, particularly in that Chelsea-Liverpool game, there was a panel on Sky and they were analysing it and Graham Souness said almost words like you said then, that uh, black that it's black and white, It's it's that there's no... It's not a subjective decision. He's either offside or he's not. And said, and then we, we froze the picture, they froze the picture, and in the build-up to the Chelsea equaliser, there was a player who was two inches offside at some point. So the logic is, and most people listening to this now might go, well, there you go, you've just shot your own argument down. Um, he was offside. So as soon as said, that's the law, that's the rule, so that means he's offside. And VAR, all VAR did was aid the referee. I've not seen the Chelsea game. Was it was a player interfering, or is he what what happened? Yeah, but in the build up to it, he received a ball, and and he was two inches offside, very very little, but it was about six passes back from when the ball actually hit the net. You know, it went, you know, it was it in the final phase, and all that was was one of the arguments, and it was ruled out. Now, my biggest object, I accept mistakes will happen. I'd rather mistakes happen though from, and maybe I'm controversial by saying this, from the referee and assistant referees that are on the pitch and that the game flows in a natural way rather than it's stopped for a long time. The crowd cheer, we've had it at the Etihad, so you've experienced those moments where there's a three or four minute moment of euphoria and then suddenly everything goes on its head. And whether all that, the point I'm making and why I'm, I'm picking out the Tottenham goal and this one today, because they weren't directly affecting us, is that I, I, I just think it spoils the essence of what football is to actually stop the game and, and go back through it forensically to the point where you're arguing about millimetres or an inch rather than let, let the mistake happen. Nathan's absolutely right. <clears throat> you know, as a fan of long-standing, we've got used to the foibles of human beings, i.e. referees. The referee, it's subjective a lot of the time. They, they're applying the law as best they can. In a, and it's incredibly fast football now, and I have a lot of sympathy for referees. I'm, I'm a bit, uh, I have a sort of half, uh, half cup half full thing on this. I think over a season, it probably evens itself out. I'd be interested to see our analysis team at the Etihad looking at VAR and saying, what over the season, how has it worked for us? You know, because they will be doing that analysis. They'll be looking at each of the decisions that have been for and against us. I mean, when when um, Sterling was uh, ruled offside that time, I think his, shul- his, his shoulder was, um, was ruled offside. Well, if his foot's offside, there's an advantage. If his shoulder's offside... What, where's the advantage to Sterling then? Because you can score with your shoulder. Well, but the other question is, if you're talking about a clear and obvious mistake, Rodri being manhandled and bundled over in the box, that's what VAR should be doing, saying to the referee, you missed this, it's clear and obvious, you need to go back and give a penalty. But that was, a- that was basically referees, old, the boys' school, if you like, joining together and saying, oh, no, he's, he's made a mistake, but we won't. But that's surely what VAR should be doing. I, I, think, the, I think referees are in an incredibly invidious position. I don't mm. want a witch hunt on referees. Because, no, not so. you know, it, it's, you know, We see it at junior level, you know, people being abused because they've got a black shirt on. And we see it at, 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 you know, at a national level, we see people hunting referees down because they've made a mistake because they've missed a pass that's been pinged by David Silver to Bernardo Silver who might or might not have been offside and I challenge anyone 
to get that right 100% of the time. And I think, for me as a fan, I'm sort of willing to deal with with the referees, but I'm getting bored with this stop-start. I mean, yesterday was the goal, you know, the, the ref had his finger to his ear, and I was thinking, he's not going to, surely not going to get give take this back. He didn't. But there's that thing in your heart, that little, you know... It's like, horrible, isn't it? It's I mean, horrible. Let, really. let, let me leave the last word on this, because I don't want to labour <coughs> this point or make it all about VAR, this podcast. But Nathan... As a referee, then, you've already said you don't like it. If you were actually refereeing one of these big games and that decision happened, because you can speak about it from a fan and a referee's perspective, would that could that potentially make you walk away from refereeing even? The, the Rodri incident? Well, any of these, really, where your decision is constantly <clears throat> being questioned by VAR. Yeah, because as a linesman, you'd be worried... Because you know that every time you put it up, you, you, everyone in that ground is going to know that you've made that mistake. If before VAR, you know they don't, you'd only find out if if you got home and looked at Sky. Now they're in their head; they know for well they've made a mistake. And these people that are refereeing, the, it's not as if they've just picked it up as a hobby the last couple of years. You have to referee twenty years at least to even get anywhere near a professional game. You referee on your own doing offsides on your own while trying to look at some fat guy having a, having a push who's had too many pints the night before behind you, etc. You've got people fighting on the touchlines. The, all these referees have to do that for years and years and years. The first time you get a linesman is on the Cheshire Prem, and by that point you've got to be a level four, so you've already had to advance five levels. It, it, it's so unfair to then blame referees to say, oh, look, you're, you're making too many stakes, so we're going to make someone in a truck 200 miles away make the decisions for you. It's, it's not on. It's, this, it's, their, it's their livelihood, if anything, and you're taking it away from them. So it, but I see why they do it, but, uh, again, it's just, it's just a no from me. What an interesting perspective. Thanks for bringing that to us. Right, I want to now switch subjects completely. And uh, last, last week, City played at Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, there was no official trip went from the club, from Thomas Cook or, or anybody else. I don't think Just there was even... Was Thomas Cook didn't take us, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, obviously we don't know what, what the outcome of that's going to be, but obviously Thomas Cook are in a bit of financial problems at the moment. Everybody knows that. Uh, though I don't think there was an independent trip either. So that mean, meant that the only way you could... And I'd twice been to Shakhtar on the Thomas Cook Day trip uh, because it was the only practical way of doing it. Now, this time, as it happens, I had already made the decision that I was going to go independently, and that involved going to Gatwick, uh, flying to Kiev, flying to Kharkiv, and then a bit of a dodgy taxi driver getting us on the final leg <laughs> all the way to the hotel. But that's only after story. I mean, tell me your... I mean, although I probably preempted it a bit by saying what I'm saying now, but what what? tell me your story. You, you know, you... You've been, had you been there before, or was this your first no, trip? No, first time, first time. So what made you want to go, and why were you so determined to go to these lengths to get to that game? Because it's different, it's, it's not Germany, it's not, it's, it's not like France, it's, it's an extreme trip almost, it's, uh, it's put, putting myself out there, it's, 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 just, it's fun, I enjoy it, <laughs> it's different. So you live in Cheshire? Yes. Tell me, tell me your journey. Well, uh, I was picked up at five in the morning. Uh, we we drove down the M6, M40, M25, Gatwick. We got there about maybe half ten. Checked in normally. We'll, uh, we'll come back to the check-in point later. <laughs> and then, yeah, same as you. I was, was with you on the flight. I'd check out your vlog beforehand. And, uh, yeah, and then the quick stopover in uh, Kiev and then on to Kharkiv. 
And then on the return journey, you had even, well, potentially had even more of an adventure, didn't you? Well, yeah, because I, I booked on my own. Um, well, I went to, I, I went, went to check in two and a half hours before and they go, you're on, a, you're on an emergency, emergency standby ticket. But uh, nobody in Kharkiv speaks any English. They all speak Russian. And so, but, so it was really broken. I, I couldn't understand what was going on. And they gave me a, a paper, paper boarding pass because I didn't want an electronic one because in case I lost my phone or died or anything. Oh, yeah, so uh, they said, oh, standby. So I get up to the gate and I, I asked them a question. I was like, what, what does standby mean? It means you, ha- you haven't got a seat on the plane. So ne- next minute, because I, I travelled like, on my own kind of thing, my, my heart's going, I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm stu- stuck in you know, eastern Ukraine, no money or anything. And uh, so they said I had to wait till everybody boarded the plane. So everyone boards the plane, then it's me and Shez that are left. You know, most people might know Shez. And uh, he gets the space. And I'm, I'm, I'm left there in the terminal. The, the gate closed, was it half 11? I think it's worth adding in here as well that when some of the City fans knew that this could happen to you, you immediately were handed bits of money from City fans, weren't you? Yeah, um, big, big shout-out to Shez. Yeah, the, the gate closed at half 11. It was about quarter to 12 at this point, 10 to 12, and uh, they told me I wasn't flying. They said, you're staying here, you're staying in Kharkiv overnight. So Shez comes up the steps out of, out of the bus area, and he literally gives me every single bit of Ukrainian money in his wallet. I because I had absolutely nothing. I had I have a debit card. I don't have a credit card because I'm like too young to even understand how they work. And so he get so I was panicking. I was thought I'll have a night in Kiev on my own, no money. And you know, fair play to him, gave me every single bit of money. So Shez, if you're listening, thank you. And then you got on the plane, yeah, and that's just. and that's basically I can fill in the other bit of the story here because there were a group that went from the Heroes of Waterloo branch, which is a supporters club branch, and uh, they got the time at the wrong time for the flight, and realised quite quickly that they were going not going to make check-in, so didn't actually turn up at the airport, and because they didn't, that meant there were spaces on the plane, uh, and actually Paul, who's sitting next to me here, was due to go as well, and he had a space on the same flights so that was another potential empty seat so that's how you ended up on it and the other lads who were on, from the heroes of waterloo ended up getting a train from kharkiv to kiev because we had a seven stroke eight hour stopover in kiev and it was about five hours on a train so they made it they came into the airport in kiev after we'd spent the day looking around the sites but they'd been on the train all the way there and they got a hero's welcome everybody cheered <laughs> them and we thought and i even went up to uh, to chris who was the organizer and said it's funny how you always land on your feet isn't it eh because they'd got first class train travel and everything uh, and then and then got to the airport, and then when we're up, the plane's taking off. I'm going, where's Chris? Where's Darren? Who was with him? And it turns out that because they hadn't checked in for the first flight and the flights were paired, that you'd gone, thankfully, and yeah, I'm glad yeah. you did. But them two didn't get on and had to spend another night in Kiev, and eventually arrive home the next day. Well, at least they got to Kiev, like because. Because they worked out they weren't going to make it, there's a, I think there's only one train. So it, they managed to get to Kiev, which I think they got the flight the next morning. I'd have been stuck in Kharkiv, absolutely no clue what to do. All the signs in gobbledygook and nobody speaks a word of English. So I was quite thankful that they had too many uh, sherbets and missed the check-in. So, so you set off at, let, let's just get this so that people can get this. You set off on mon- sorry Tuesday morning, 5am, yeah, and you got home on Friday morning, 4am. 
And, that, and that, now we saw the pictures. People saw the pictures in Kharkiv of the away end. Um, you could virtually count them, and I, I did. Knew them all. And I, I pretty much knew everybody that was in that away end. And there was actually a group of Ukrainian supporters, based supporters, who were City fans, who were in that end as well. I reckon there were a hundred, if that, actually in the away end. Which, but but when you realise the efforts that people went to. That, that, that you did, and, and especially the two got stranded. That, there were no other way to do it than to go this long-winded way. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think about um, not doing it, though. I, I'd do it again next week. It's, it, was, it's like, it was almost like a big family holiday. You knew everybody there. You, know, you rocked up, you rocked up at, the, at the pub in the airport, and you go, oh, you're right again. You, know, you saw him last week at Norwich. It's 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 what it's part of the fun of the football. It's going traveling the world with people. You you go everywhere with it. Share a, a common a common there was love. A, there yeah. was a never a point because I've been doing this all all my adult life basically. So from from younger than you are now, that's been my life, right? Doing that home and away. A lot of it, I admit. Well, about a third of it, I think, I was the BBC reporter. So people say, ah, oh, it was your job. What you're talking? But I've done it for many many years. Trust me, in exactly the same way. And and you know, I've made was it, I've your made a career first away out of trip it. on Stevenson's rocket. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so so I, I completely get it. And I and I and I also would say like you, if, if that game suddenly you ever said, don't rule this out by the way that somebody from UEFA said uh, by the way the game against Shakhtar away has to be replayed because of some technical VAR offence me and you uh, would be on a plane <laughs> would be at Gatwick going on a plane to, we'd do it again wouldn't yeah, we as long, as long as I can afford it I'm there it's simple as that you know I, I'm, I've got my free time it's the best time in my life to do it why not as long but, I, but did, did, was it not even I admit that even after that history that I've just said, there was bits of me thinking, this is for a 90-minute football match. I must be mad. Yeah, and it was freezing as well. I only had my shorts on. Listen, I, I, you're lucky. You're lucky you got there. I didn't even get out of Oldham. I'd paid for a ticket, I'd paid for a flight, my accommodation and everything. I was that busy at work, I couldn't make it. And I tell you what, I was devastated. I was absolutely gutted. Well, even now, when you know what the story of that trip was, you, you're still gutted. Even more so. <laughs> even more so, because it's, kind of, it's a kind of planes, trains and automobiles road trip, isn't it? And that's the beauty of them. The more things that can sort of not go wrong, but a bit quirky, the better. It's, 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 you're creating memories. You create memories, you're here once and you go on trips like that, like the guys, it was in Faroe Islands years ago. Stuff like that, it's, 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 you're down in history. It's, that's what away trips in Europe are all about, is doing... Go, I mean, I'd, I'd never go to Monaco. I wouldn't, I've got nothing to go to Monaco for, yet we went to Monaco. Um, I can't afford to go and watch a Grand Prix. I won't take my missus out on a, on a trip there because I couldn't afford to do it. But I got there through watching football. So the 90 minutes of football was the excuse for me to get to Monaco. I've been there, I've done it. If we played there again, I'd still go. But it won't bother me. And that's why it's got a new places. I've been to places watching City that I'd never get to because, I'd, one, I'd never be interested in going... But two, you just think the logistics are getting there. It's not worth it. But when you're going with your pals, it's just a, it's, it's the crack. It's a it laugh, was, isn't it? It was incredibly heartwarming to see that band of heroes yeah. on yeah. their terraces, yeah. knowing that it wasn't just getting an easy jet flight to Madrid yeah. or an easy jet flight to Hamburg. It was a hell on earth trip to somewhere that is in political turmoil, 
you know, that club is playing, not playing at its home ground, so their fans are struggling. And to see those fans there, who have done it for years, you know, and I'm sure it is like a family trip, for those of us who don't go, I thought fair play to you. And it is a very British thing, I think. Yeah. Um, and and there, was a, there was an incident in the, in, the, in the women's game where the women looked up at one game and there was one fan that had made the trip to some, somewhere in Norway, I think, with the flag draped over the thing. And, you know, they just came over and made a big fuss of that. Now, that's an interesting point because yeah. I know a lot of the City fans who were out there were a little upset that the um, City fans didn't then go and acknowledge uh, the away fans. And, and I, th- I think you were one of them, weren't you, Nathan? Yeah, it just it just left a bad taste. Um, you, you, know, you go to that effort, you spend the best part of £1,000 getting there. And you think, you know, it's 10 seconds, walk 40 yards give us a wave it sounds really shallow and like i i, I feel like I, I they owe me something when really they i owe them everything for what they've done but just just come over and just acknowledge us even when they came out and did the wall the, the cool down they they went to the furthest corner they did everything they could to avoid us and it was like why what what have we done all we've done is have a week off work spent money to how we feel to better you, not us, you know. Well, maybe maybe one good thing that can come out of this podcast, maybe someone from the club is listening, and yeah, maybe it was a small group of fans in a big stadium, but it's up to the club to notice this stuff, to notice where the away fans are, and to make sure that the players go over and applaud those fans, wherever they are in the world, you know, to acknowledge the effort that people are putting, because it's hard-earned brass that people are spending. You know, a thousand pounds is a lot of money to anyone. It might not be a lot of money to you know some of the play to the players and some of the staff, but nonetheless, it's to the it's the club that has to acknowledge that they have to say there's 60 guys over there, or 60 people, because there's obviously women and and there's Ukrainian fans that have turned up, probably have travelled 200 miles from a war zone. If you can't be bothered to clap, you can't be bothered to warm, you know, warm down in front of them. If you can't even be bothered, maybe just even just do the human thing of go over to the barrier, chat to people, sign a few autographs. I don't think it's the players for one second, because I think our players are decent people. But it's for the club to sort this out and to make sure that they acknowledge fully the efforts that hardcore fans put in to go at the back of beyond to Helen back in, in Nathan's case. And actually, if you can't do that, then this whole one club, one community thing, is it real or is it just just a, a banner? Well, the one thing I would say is that I, I don't work for the club, but as people know, I do my match day vlog, a version of which goes on my YouTube channel. Another version for Premier League games goes on the City website, for which I receive a fee from City. So I have got a relationship with them, and I know that they watch what I do, and I've no doubt that people from the club are listening to this podcast. And I reached out to to some very, very good people, by the way, work within City, who you can reach out to, who I know. And I highlighted in the vlog that I did from Shakhtar a guy who'd travelled from St- from Stoke, the Stoke area, mm. and he had been treated for cancer. Thankfully, he's in remission. But the treatment he'd had had left him with damaged vertebrae in his back. He was there on crutches. He'd gone all the way to Kharkiv via all this long-winded route 
to, to see this game. And when I asked him why he'd done it, he explained what had happened to him and the fact that he thought that maybe six to 12 months from now that this would be out of the question. He'd never be able to do it again. So he was going to take the chance while he could. And he said it with a, a smile on his face. And you know you talk about your bottom lip going. Yeah. My bottom lip, more than my bottom lip, started going at that point. And I asked him for his name and address and everything. And I contacted the club and, 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 and said to them, there are people unhappy that the players didn't come over. And what about this guy, by the way? And the immediate reaction I got was they were aware of it. They knew about it. Um, you know, this was something they were going to talk about in the club, which is all encouraging to hear. And that... Did you by any chance have the name and address of this guy? And I said, yes, thankfully I have. Here you go. And and I think that they're going to do something nice and special for him. So there are people in there who really, really care. So don't think that this is ignored. But I do understand why people are upset. Let, let's put it down to an oversight. Let's put it down to a small group of people in a big stadium. And I do accept that. I think the club do make a lot of effort to, to acknowledge the fans more than perhaps other clubs do but let's put it down to an oversight let's hope it doesn't happen again because I think just to uh, uh, just a, a small acknowledgement makes a big difference uh, and you know luckily we won I mean can you imagine if we'd lost and you have to go back all that way having lost that game but me and Nathan would have still been there the following week Although I, Paul I, wouldn't he'd have bottled out he'd have, gone, <laughs> he'd have been working <laughs> in his garage I am told that the Shatter game this time was far warmer than the previous <coughs> true, games true true um, during the daytime certainly I mean God, God and Fernandino how many seasons was he there he'd come from Brazil my daughter said he's come from Brazil where it's in the 90s to play in an icebox he must it, it, listen it's hardened him let's be grateful yeah. for that listen we haven't got long left uh, uh, on the podcast so I want to ask you briefly now about Preston which is the next game um, I mean, did you imagine that it's, this is going to be a much weaker side last season City won it it was one of the treble the quadruple whichever way you want to look at it um, I, I'm sure that Pep and City want to win it again and make it three in a row of, of the Carabao Cup the League Cup as it used to be called and I still think of it Would you? would you go with you know, an extremely strong side, or you're worried about Everton next weekend and think, no, no, got to save a few legs for that. For me, it's a, an opportunity to, to blood the lights of Garcia, the Angelo, Angelo, Angelino, who I thought played really well uh, when he came on. Um, he looked in the mat, you know, he didn't look phased by it. Um, obviously, Cancelo needs to, to have a run. Uh, you know, possibly Mendy needs another run. So I, I think I think if we talk about our second team being good enough to win the Premiership, which I think is a slightly touchy proposition, but nonetheless, people keep saying that, then our second team should be good enough to beat Preston at Deepdale on a Tuesday night in the Carbo Cup. But I think it's a real opportunity now to give Bravo a, a shot and, and let him have a go in both Cups for me. The young players to start coming through, you know, as you know, Ian, I'm very critical in, in, in some ways of the youth policy. We need to start bringing these kids through. It was interesting yesterday when um, Garcia came on and he high-fived Angelino because they'll have come through the same teams. And it was a big moment for them. And I think it was a big moment for the club. I mean, Foden's a freak in a lot of ways because he's and such just, a good just player. To, and just to say, by the way, because people have been asking me, he's injured. I don't know what the specific injury yeah. is. Uh, there's conspiracy theories out there. Somebody today only messaged me and said, is he really injured? You know, what is the injury? <laughs> I, said, I said, I don't actually know what the injury is, but the club have said that he is injured. So I don't think he's going to figure at Preston just in case anybody's, no. anybody's wondering about that. But there's an opportunity for Fringe 
fringe players to have a run and you know get themselves established as part of the bigger squad. So, so you'd go for that rather I, than. I, I don't think we need to put put the big guns out at this stage. And frankly, I think we should use the Carabao Cup as a, as a as a as a loyalty reward for players that are, that are good and want to play have a long run in that cup. That that squad's good enough to win the Carabao Cup. It was last season. I totally agree. I mean, it's it's. it's... <laughs> Winning, winning all the cups again. The the, the Champions League's obviously the club's priority at the moment. I would say, then the Premier League. Whether you as a fan you agree with that, I mean, you you've got to kind of go down that road now. I think Carabao Cup is probably the least of them that they want. We we've got best. We've got such quality and depth in every position now. We can put a genuinely second string team out. With it, it's come at a good time, I think, because Mendy's back. And he needs run outs. Um, he's come back. Garcia's in there, and and Angelino and all the rest of them. You know, it's a shame Foden's not fit um, because it's ideal to get these guys in. And I'd run with him. You know, if we can get past Preston, which you, you never know, do you? you just don't know that yeah. you don't know what can happen. If we can get past Preston and, and progress, I think we should use a genuine second string team to do it with maybe the big guns on the bench just in case. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I said I'd want to win them all. But after what's happened with Laporte and Stones, I'd actually prioritise the League Cup because of with everything that's gone on, it's the first bit of silverware. You you lift a you lift a trophy at Wembley in February. I, mentally, I think it's a massive massive gain because the players have got that taste of winning already, and it makes them. Or I like to think it makes them hungry to go and push on for the rest of them. I I'm a different generation to you, as you know, as you yeah, said, I but. <laughs> I'd leave the FA Cup. I, I'd I'd leave the FA Cup. I'd focus on the Champions League and the league. If I had to pick between the two, I'd then pick the Champions League over the league this year. But get that get that League Cup done. Get that in the cabinet and then push on from there. You've you've made a great contribution, Nathan. Uh, thanks very much for coming down to today's podcast. Hopefully, you'll contribute again in the future, as Paul has done. Thanks, Paul, for coming back and, and making a further contribution. This Paul. Um, I can't get rid of, so uh, I'm sure he'll be definitely <laughs> back. <laughs> uh, thanks very much to charleslewy.co.uk, the sponsors of the podcast. Remember that they do uh, mortgage advice. They're a chartered mortgage company, so I'll look at them up. That, the reason I always say charleslewy.co.uk is clearly that's their website address. And it's Charles, very straightforward, no dots or dashes or anything, Louis, L-O-U-I-S. So charleslewy.co.uk. Check them out. Uh, Dave is the man who uh, is, is supporting this podcast through his company. So he will look after you if you contact him, if you need advice, if you need some reassurance or, or, or just want to ask a question, whether you, whether you want a mortgage or not. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. So thanks very much to them. Thanks very much to, to Tameside Radio, which is where we record the, the podcast each and every week. I'm on Tameside Radio five nights a week, hosting an 80s music radio show, which is a bit different. And they also do a chat show at one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, which isn't sport related. But we have got Gail Redston, who's been a, a guest on the podcast, who's one of the original City Women's players, as my guest on that one till two show coming up in the next couple of weeks. So a good reason to listen. Thanks very much for downloading. Uh, make sure you tell all your mates. Give us a five-star uh, rating as well. Don't forget to watch the podcast, particularly the one from Shakhtar, but also the 8-0 against Watford as well. And uh, we'll be back again next week on the Sunday night again after the Everton game. Uh, in the meantime, if you see me out and about doing the vlog, come and say hello and be part of it. 
See you next time.